This evening we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. Take a moment, pull out your Bibles, um, pull up that scripture passage on your computers or your cell phones, whatever you need to do in order to uh, read along. We're using the NIV translation. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 21. This is Christ praying, Christ uh, preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, these are his words in that sermon. Hear now the reading of God's word. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, or when you fast... Oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. We're going to read one other passage this morning. It's a very familiar passage, a very popular passage, and it's Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. There, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
That is the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're also going to be looking at Lord's Day 24 in the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 24 in the Heidelberg Catechism. That's question and answer 62, 63, and 64. Uh, hear the reading of the Catechism. Why can't the good we do make us right with God, or at least help make us right with Him? Because the righteousness which can pass God's scrutiny must be entirely perfect, and must in every way measure up to divine law. Even the very best we do in this life is imperfect and stained with sin. How can you say that the good we do doesn't earn anything when God promises to reward it in this life and the next? Answer, this reward is not earned, it is a gift of grace. The final question, but doesn't this teaching make people indifferent and wicked? No, it is impossible for those grafted into Christ by true faith not to produce fruits of gratitude. And that is the teaching of the catechism. I want us to uh, think of something. Have you guys ever wondered if uh, peanuts grow on trees? Uh, do peanuts grow on trees? And I asked that question because I was told a story once by a friend about how one of their friends had gotten a peanut plant, and uh, they thought that peanuts grew on trees. And so they planted the peanut plant, they, uh, they watered the peanut plant, uh, they put it in a pot, and it was growing. And as the peanut plant grew and grew and grew, um, they got frustrated because they never saw any, uh, any, any peanuts on the branches. No, no peanuts grew out from uh, the pot, outside of the pot, on the branches of the peanut plant. And, and so finally, um, somebody came over to their house and said, I thought you had this peanut plant. Why, don't you, uh, why aren't you uh, getting these peanuts? Why aren't you collecting these peanuts? And they kept saying, I've done everything I can to get that peanut plant to grow. And no peanuts will grow on it. And the friend that came over and, and said, well, don't you know that, that peanuts, they grow in the ground. The peanuts grow in the ground, on the roots of the peanut plant. They don't, they don't grow here on the tree, on the plant branches outside. They grow underneath on the ground. And... Uh, that's important for us to consider tonight because what we're talking about are the good works that come, the good works that come from our being saved, right? And unlike the peanut plant, our good works are not from the root. They're not from the root. The good works are not the root, but rather 
They're the fruit. Now, peanut plants are kind of weird. The fruit, so to speak, grows down on the roots, but that's not how our good works function. Um, we're going to talk about what the root is, but the root is not the fruit. Our good works are not the root, but rather the fruit of our salvation, right? So our theme tonight then God's amazing sovereign grace in Christ produces fruit in our lives. So if we're considering the good works that we do as the fruit and not the root, right? Then our theme statement expresses that. God's amazing sovereign grace in Christ is the root. The fruit is what's produced in our lives from that amazing sovereign grace working in our lives, right? So we're going to look at three things this evening. The function of this fruit, the reward for this fruit, and the source of this fruit. The function of the fruit, the reward of the fruit, the source of the fruit. Let's look at that first point. The function of this fruit. The catechism asks us, why can't the good we do make us right with God? Or at least help make us right with Him? You know, it's really sort of begging and saying, well, can't it just help a little bit? Can't our good works, can't the good we do contribute To our salvation. And, and you, you got to understand the question that's being asked here. It's not saying, can the good we do be the entirety of our salvation? It's not, it's not even saying that. It's saying, can't it contribute to our salvation? Maybe even just a little bit? Maybe just a tiny little part? Can it do it just a little bit? And the answer to this question comes from the nature of God. The righteousness which can pass God's scrutiny must be entirely perfect. So the good we do has to be perfect. Any good that we do cannot be tainted at all. It cannot be marred at all. It has to be unblemished. As the sacrifices pictured in the Old Testament, right? And must in every way measure up to the divine law. So it has to be perfect in correlation with God's law. As summarized in the Ten Commandments, 
uh, as summarized in love, perfect love of God, perfect love of neighbor. And the answer that we're told is, but even the very best that we do in this life is stained with sin. It's stained with sin. We can't escape the fact that what we accomplish, the good that we do in this life, is still marred by sin. It's still affected by sin. And so, we consider all the good that we do in this life, we consider with what pure motives we might think we pursue the good that we do in this life. And we, we ponder those things, and what we need to come to a realization of as Christians, even born-again Christians, is that the good that we do is still filtered through a sinful mind, a sinful flesh, a creation that has not been freed entirely uh, from the curse. And that affects us. That affects the good we do. This is the function of the fruit. A function of the fruit is that it's imperfect. Imperfect fruit. We only bring imperfect fruit to the table. Right? This is why we need to consider what Christ is saying here on the Sermon on the Mount. Think about what Christ is saying here on the Sermon on the Mount, right? He is saying, this is how you should live your life. This is what the kingdom life looks like as a born-again believer, as someone who's pursuing uh, the goodness of, of the Christian life by the power of the Spirit, right? He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward for your Father in heaven. So he has this contrast, right? He says, the hypocrites... They like to be seen by men. They like to have their good works seen by men. And Christ says, that's their reward. That's their reward, is that they get praised by men. But he contrasts that. He says, you, you, Christians, you are... To be seeking to be seen by God. And when you are seen by God, you get a reward. Look at the passage again. Um, If you do, you will have no reward for your Father in heaven. If you do your righteous acts before men to be seen by them. When you give to the needy, don't announce it. With trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may be given in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go in, close the door, and there when you pray to your Father, He sees what you've done, and you will receive a reward, right? When you fast, don't fast like the hypocrites do, for they want to be seen as fasting by men. And I tell you, they have received their reward. But rather, when you fast, 
Do your fasting before God to be seen by him. And when you do that, you will receive a reward. And then finally, on the closing passage, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. That's what this reward is. The contrast is this reward does not last. The reward of being seen by men as being and doing acts of righteousness, it doesn't last. It's treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store it for yourselves, rather, treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The reward that you receive from your Father who sees the good that you do, it is lasting. It is lasting. The function of this fruit, the fruit of the Christian life, the fruit of living for God, is that we would see that it is to be toward God. We are seeking to be an audience only of one. Because even the very best we do in this life is imperfect and stained with sin. But what about the reward? What about the reward for this fruit? Well, for the good that we do, right? How can you say that the good we do doesn't earn anything when God promises to reward it in the next life, in this life, and the next? So we just looked at Matthew chapter 6, right? And in that passage, Christ says, um, do this before your Father, and He will reward you. So we've been promised a reward. So then how can we say that the good we do doesn't earn anything if we are being promised a reward? The answer is very simple, but it is profound. This reward is not earned. Rather, it is a gift of grace. A gift of grace. So when we think reward, we typically think of those signs posted on uh, traffic lights that say, dog lost, find this dog and there's a uh, $500 reward, or such and such is missing. Find this person or give us, give us any information and you will receive a reward. And in that transaction, there is something that's earned. You find the dog, you get the reward. But in the transaction of salvation, it's not earned. It's a gift of grace. And now you see the importance of not reading particular passages out of context from the rest of Scripture. When you read Matthew chapter 6, and Christ is saying, don't be like the hypocrites, be this way and you'll receive a reward. It can almost sound like what he's talking about is works righteousness. What he's talking about is if you live differently, then you'll be saved by the way that you're living. But... 
If we go and we read Ephesians chapter 2, that very famous passage about grace and how we have come to be saved, we will see something very, very interesting. Uh, So many of us know Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, right? We memorized it at VBS. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So verse 8 says, it's by grace you've been saved um, by grace through faith, right? And verse 9 continues this similar thing, uh, phrase of thinking. It says, not by works, right? Not by works. So right, at, right off the bat, we're being told by the Apostle Paul that it's not by works. But so many of us, we don't continue reading, do we? We don't continue to look so that no one can boast. We cannot boast in our salvation. It is a gift of grace. Our faith is a gift of grace. But verse 10 tells us that there's more to the Christian life than simply passively receiving the gift of salvation. For we are God's workmanship. We are God's poema is the Greek word there. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You need to look and see and understand the contrast that's being made here by the Apostle Paul. He's saying we're saved by grace through faith And he goes as far as to declare, as clearly as possible as he can, that this is not by works. But we are saved by grace through faith to good works. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved to good works. So the reward that we're promised then cannot be on the basis of us having earned our salvation. Rather, the reward that we are promised is a gift of grace. God doesn't have to reward us for the good that we do in this life because the good that we do in this life is a product of the salvation that he has wrought in us by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But he rewards us Because when he rewards us, he's glorifying the work that his son has done. The reward for this fruit is a gift of grace. So if we go back to that that passage in Matthew that we are looking at, right? And we read all those wonderful things about the reward that we're going to receive. Um, If in this life we muster up Enough of the power of God and the grace of God to desire not to do acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. But we desire in our heart's heart to pursue righteousness by living a life of gratitude towards God, desiring to be seen by Him. And when we give to the needy, um, we do so in secret so our Father can see us. 
Uh, when we pray, we do so in secret where our Father can see us. Um, when we fast, we do so in a way that does not draw attention to ourselves, but we fast to the Lord, drawing closer to Him, desiring to be closer to Him. Um, when we do all that, and we find on that future day in heaven that we have a reward from God because we've stored up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, that treasure in heaven, that reward that we receive from God in heaven, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift of God's grace at work in our lives. And if, uh, and if that's not clear enough for us, I want us to consider another thing that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and see that you are such a wonderful person and that they will give you uh, all the praise that you deserve for being such a wonderful person. No, that's not what it says. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Why? Because the good deeds that we do, that we do display the work of the Father and Jesus Christ in our life. That's all they do. Because on our own, we are incapable of doing heavenly good, of doing eternal good, of doing something that would bring honor and glory to God. But because of the salvation that's been wrought in us, we are able to do so. I can keep going with this. John uh, chapter 3 says much the same thing as Matthew chapter 5. John chapter 3, speaking to Nicodemus in that great um, passage, right? He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done in his own power, by his own ability? No. That what he has done has been done through God. The good that we do is a gift of God's grace because it is God's grace at work within us through Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, but we're saved by grace through faith to good works, to do good works. Let's look lastly at the source, the source of this fruit. We've talked a bit about it already, but we're going we're gonna to nail this down. 
The final question and answer, it says, doesn't this teaching make people indifferent and wicked? Doesn't this teaching make people indifferent and wicked? Here is what this question is suggesting. It's suggesting that if there is no, quote-unquote, responsibility, personal responsibility, on us in order to perform If there's no response, personal responsibility on us to perform, contingent on our salvation. Or to put it another way, if we don't earn our salvation, Maybe we don't earn the whole thing, but maybe we earn like 1% out of the 99% that is our salvation. Maybe we earn half a percent. Maybe we earn 2%. But if we don't earn our salvation in some way, if we aren't invested in it in some way, some way that it's dependent upon us to perform, that we have to... We have to follow through with our part. God does his part. We do our part. If we don't have that system at work here, then isn't that going to make people indifferent and wicked? Isn't that going to to justify, um, if salvation is all of God, oh great, um, now I don't have to be do anything. Now I don't have to live a Christian life. Um, I, I, I can just... Um, God saved me? Okay, I'm done. We have no part in it. Um, that's what's being spoken of here. And, and I need you to make this very clear because there's an accusation often that those of us who hold to the doctrines of grace or those of us who would call ourselves Calvinists, right? That because we have this doctrine or understanding of once saved, always saved, right? Once saved, always saved. That we give people a license to sin. Because if I've been saved, then I'm, and I'm always going to be saved, I'm always going to be one of the elect, then, then personal responsibility is taken away, and then people could say, I'm going to heaven and live like hell. That's not what we believe. That's a misuse of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. That is an abuse of the doctrine that teaches that God who redeems and saves through Jesus Christ will complete the work that he has begun in us by bringing us to the end. That is an abuse of that doctrine. To consider that once saved, always saved means that all I have to do is accept Christ and then I can live like a heathen. I can live, uh, I can live like an unsaved person. I can live and do whatever I want and whatever I please with no consequence. And that's exactly what question 64 is getting after. And the answer to the question, doesn't this teaching make people indifferent and wicked? 
No. No, the answer is. No, it's impossible. You need to understand what it's saying here. It's saying it's impossible. 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 It's impossible for those grafted into Christ by true faith not to produce fruits of gratitude. I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and point this out. It's so important to see. Our explanation of our salvation is made clear by Paul. But the working out of our salvation is here as well. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. The reason why the catechism says it's impossible. For those grafted into Christ by true faith. Not to produce fruits of gratitude. And that phrase, fruits of gratitude, is going to get picked up in the third section again of the catechism where we start going through the law, right? Living the life of gratitude. It's impossible because the source of the fruits of gratitude is our being united to Christ. Remember what I said this morning. I said, is it possible for us to be hit head on by a semi-truck and not be changed? The question that we have to ask ourselves is, can we be united to Christ? Can we have union with he who is life and life abundant? And be dead. And not produce fruits of gratitude. Is that a possibility? Well, the catechism answers the question for us. It is an impossibility. So if someone says, oh, you know, once saved, always saved. That means that I, I you know, I was saved back in the day. I came forward at, at a... Uh, at a um, a revival, I came forward and I, and I uh, said the sinner's prayer. And now that I've been saved, I'm always going to be saved. But in that moment, they're living the life of a heathen. They're living the life of, of an unregenerate person. Not living in accordance, keeping in accordance, keeping in step with the spirit. Keeping in step with the fruits of repentance. Then we have to question whether that person is saved. They ought to be questioning if they're saved. Because how can you be united to he who is life? And not produce fruits of gratitude. You cannot. You cannot. The source of this fruit is Christ Himself. The source of the fruit is Christ Himself. Well, 
I want to go back to my first illustration because you preach a sermon like this and people can get confused. People can respond to it in a variety of ways, right? Uh, for those of us who are uh, very sensitive to our sin, um, for those of us who are very introspective, uh, we may hear a sermon like this and we may start asking the question, you know, am I saved? Am I saved? Um, am I producing fruits of gratitude? And most of the time, people who ask this question have no worry, have no need to be worried, right? Um, but some of us, some of us can be... Uh, some of us can be more prideful, I think, and the reality is um, we can hear a sermon like this and, and think, man, I'm good. I'm good. Look at, it, the, look at the fruits of, of gratitude in my life. Look at these, um, these fruits. And both of these responses are missing the point. Because when someone asks the question, am I saved? And they look to their fruit. They're looking at the wrong place. When someone looks, uh, uh, when someone says, oh, I'm good, I've got it together, right? And they're looking at their fruit. They're looking to the wrong place. And here's where the peanut plant comes back into the picture, right? The peanut plant, This is nothing like what a peanut plant looks like, I promise. The peanut plant is kind of like this person. They keep looking at the leaves as the peanut plant grows. And they keep worrying that they aren't producing fruit. Because they aren't looking at the root. They're looking at the fruit. Right? And this person who, who's more confident in themselves, they're saying, I'm good. Um, they're, they're saying that I'm good because they're looking at the fruit. And they're not looking at the root. Our theme statement tonight is God's amazing sovereign grace in Christ produces fruit in our lives. And the thing that we can often do then is we can look to that fruit to give us assurance and say, oh, look, I'm producing fruit. That must be mean that, I, that God's amazing sovereign grace is at work in my life. And we look at the fruit, and we keep looking at the fruit, but we never look at the root. Because it's only when we look at the root can we have true assurance. It's only when we look at the root, continuing to, to, to be amazed by God's work of grace in our lives through Jesus Christ, that we actually can produce more fruit. So people of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, what I'm telling you tonight is this. 
Don't get focused on the good works. Focus on the work that's been accomplished on your behalf. Focus upon God's work of amazing sovereign grace in Christ in your life. And when you focus upon that, that is when your heart is filled with gratitude. And that is when your life begins to produce fruit. Look to the root. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. And the grace of God will be at work in you. The grace of God will be at work in you and changing your heart and your mind and your thoughts so that you begin to produce fruits of righteousness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, love of neighbor, love of the poor, whatever it may be, as an outworking, as an outworking of the salvation that is alive and well in you. Growing you in godliness and holiness, conforming you to the image of Christ. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to be people to be your people who were created in Christ Jesus, our Savior, to do good works which you have prepared in advance for us to do. May we, Lord, as we focus upon the great work of sovereign grace that you have done in us, may we grow in godliness and holiness and conformity to Christ in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts. And we pray, Lord, that in this time of, of crisis, that we would be salt and light so that people can see our good deeds and glorify you in heaven. We pray, Lord, that as we come into the light, people will be able to see that what we have, been, have done has been done through you. And we pray, Lord, that as we seek to live and to do and to live a life of gratitude for the salvation that you have given us, that we would not seek to be seen by men and receive our reward from them, but we would desire to be seen by you, that we may, we may receive our reward of grace from you. We pray, Lord, that in this season of life, these circumstances, that you would grow us. Draw us closer to you and make us more like your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So glad you guys could join us this uh, Resurrection Sunday evening service. We pray that this sermon, this message was an encouragement to you. And uh, I want to close with a benediction, which is a parting blessing to you all. Um, that the, the grace of God may go with you. And the benediction this evening is from Jude. And it's perfect because it encourages us and it reminds us that the one who keeps us from stumbling and presents us 
perfect before his presence is God himself. It has nothing to do with us. It is a work of God's grace. We are wrapped up in this work of God's grace. And we get to participate in it and bring uh, glory to him by displaying and producing fruits of gratitude in our lives. So hear now God's parting blessing. To, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Uh, Hope to see you all very, very soon. God bless.